0: ...outlined how accounting... Practice, Good though, what the fuck?
1: What? What kind of likeness test- is that? If they were great artists, they'll be in a museum. I'm fucking fodder for cartoonists, now. cartoonists now.
2: another episode of gutter boys gutter boys is a small press comics podcast about the ins the outs and the highs and very deep lows of making comics. I'm your host JB with my co-host Cam. Today we are joined by Audra Stang. But before we get to them, we first want to discuss uh, some pretty big programming that we're going to be providing here on the Gutter Boys channel moving forward for roughly about a month or so. To introduce to you, uh, wait, how should I word this? Just tell them I'm back. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Pete Fakey's back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pete's back, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, Pete's going to be breaking down exactly what the deal is for any of you that might be confused as to what this autoptic thing entails. Uh, So, Pete, take it away.
3: Well, yeah, we're doing a digital festival this year, like uh, most organizers who had a show this year are. Um, so what that looks like for us is we're doing sort of a virtual tribute to the show that almost was with uh, you guys. We're working with you guys, putting out a bunch of interviews with our special guests. And then we also are doing a anthology that was open to anybody who applied.
4: So the anthology, is it a digital anthology or are you all actually doing print copies as well? We're going to do pre-orders.
3: Yeah, it'll definitely be digital. Anybody who contributed will get a copy in their email, but uh, we're doing pre-orders too. So keep an eye out for that. And we'll have more updates on that come in, I think in the next couple of weeks.
4: Alrighty. So I know we kind of touched on it the last episode, but the way this is going to work is Autoptic is August 22nd. What's going to happen is is uh, all the panels and discussions that were scheduled for the show are going to be uploaded into our podcast feed. Pete, uh, do you kind of want to run down some of the featured panels that uh, people can look forward to hearing?
3: Yeah. So I'm going to be uh, interviewing friend of the podcast, MS Harkness. And then I uh, I'm also interviewing uh, Madeline McGrain, super talented local cartoonist. She's also doing the cover for the anthology. And I think some of the interview is going to be transcribed in there as well. Um, she was going to be the festival artist, so um, we're putting her on the cover of the anthology. And then uh, you guys are going to be doing an interview with Josh Pettinger. I think I said that right. Mm-hmm. And Sean Knickerbocker, another board member. He will be interviewing Rumi Hara and Julia Gafforer.
4: That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to actually hearing those discussions. All righty. So in addition to just being uploaded into our feed, if you're a subscriber, you know, you search us up on whatever podcast platform, you all are also going to host all the content on your website. That's the plan. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, we're uh, we're looking at maybe just starting a uh, RSS feed as well. So keep an eye on the Autoptic social media and the uh, autoptic.org, um, and we'll uh, keep you updated on where you can check it out
4: at Autoptic Festival.
3: Yeah, so that should be it for everything. You should be able to just look up Autoptic on Facebook, too, and it should come up pretty easy.
4: Hell yeah. So, Autoptic was a uh, show that took place every two years with mm-hmm. the uh, cancellation of the physical show this year. Are you all still skipping next year? And we'll see no, the next one. No, we're trying
3: in- to... Yeah, we're trying to get back in person next year.
4: Hell yeah. So, at that point, you know, is it still going to be, you know, every other year after that? I think so. That's the plan.
3: Just, uh, you know, with everything going on right now, it's, uh, you know, we'll switch it up to we'll do uh two years in a row here
4: Alrighty, so the date everything is going to be uploaded is going to be august 22nd we as in jb and i will have an interview with josh pettinger of uh, goiter comics and you know there's going to be a bunch of different other discussions uploaded as well so uh you know we hope you enjoy the content we're very excited to be working with pete you know good friend of the show as well as autoptics so thanks for having us
3: yeah thanks for having us we're stoked to be working with you guys too hell yeah all right we're going to take a quick break and when we
2: come back we'll be joined by audra stang so stay tuned
0: We'll be right back. The Northwest is the capital of alternative strip cartoons, or comics for grown-ups who like their comics grown up. Matt Groening, the creator of The Simpsons, is Seattle born and bred. But there are many more where he came from. Bill Judkins went to Fantagraphics, looking for the new Bart.
1: This former Seattle roller disco is now the warehouse for Fantagraphic Comics the country's largest producer of alternative comic magazines and titles. This place is full of thousands and thousands of comic books. What we're trying to do is to publish comics that have some literary or artistic merit. Oddly enough, we're we're in sort of a renaissance in comic art today, but paradoxically, Uh, more and more people are buying comics for for purely speculative reasons than they are for uh, the actual reading experience. And we publish comics essentially for that reading experience. I'd say we publish a couple dozen books a year and probably about uh, 200 to 250 individual comics, whether in series or one-shots. This is Love and Rockets, the comic for mature readers created by the Hernandez brothers. Some say it was Fantagraphic's first big success. It was one of the first titles that Fantagraphics published on a regular basis prior to the popularity of uh, titles like Hate and 8-Ball. And I think paved the way for a whole group of new underground cartoonists with socially relevant themes. It accurately reflects um, American society uh, in its cultural diversity. Buddy Bradley, a character in a comic book called Hate, speaks for an entire generation of American malcontents. Well, hate comics uh, mainly revolves around a character named Buddy Bradley. He has a negative slant on everything, and just uh, and for that reason is very reluctant to commit himself to anything. A character like Buddy and people who identify with him, uh, what they love is pretty much defined by what they hate and vice versa. Real Stuff, written by Dennis Eichhorn, is a prime example of the new trend of autobiographical comics. They are all basically true stories and each issue generally has stories that deal with sex, drugs, violence, and or pathos or humor. But these are the hottest titles of all. So hot, in fact, that maybe they should be printed on asbestos paper. Well, we expanded to the erotic comics line essentially out of desperation. Uh, We were financially uh, very deep in the hole And uh, we're looking for a way to make some quick and easy money. In less than two years, the Eros comic line has turned around the fortunes of the company. Some popular titles include Birdland, Butterscotch, and the seminal Wendy Whitebread Undercover Slut. Anton Dreck comics um, do push the limit. I mean, that... that, uh... Virtually every sex act, I, I, I think uh, an upcoming issue, he's he's promising bestiality. I, I, it's a werewolf uh, story. If the comic book gives me a hard-on, then I know it's probably going to do the same for thousands of readers all over the world. These porno comics might be fine for the boys, but what about the girls? Roberta Gregory is the creator of Naughty Bits, a sex explicit but non-erotic adult comic sprinkled with feminist fury.
0: I think like a lot of the Eros comics, I mean, um, it's basically the, the same tired fantasies about women, and um, I know some of the art, like especially like the Anton Dreck art, really seems to reflect a lot of hostility towards women. This is bitchy bitch, I and mean, showing her sexual fantasies, which are not ladylike, you know, cute, um, campon commercial fa- fantasies. They're, you know, pretty brutal, pretty vile, just like a lot of women's fantasies and she's pretty realistic. She sort of takes the frosting off of um, cartoon women. Two. I
1: promised Lori Pike I'd find her a copy of Love and Rockets number three, and I, I know it's here somewhere, but only got 2,000 more boxes to go. Now, back to our program.
2: welcome back. Today we're joined by Audra Stang, comic artist. Hello. How are you doing today, Audra?
0: I'm good. How are you?
2: I'm doing well. Cam, how are you doing today?
4: I'm good. You know, all things considered, you know, glad to be talking to you all. I know we've had to reschedule this a couple of times, so I'm glad it's finally happening. Hell yeah. But you know, moving along. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think this is maybe the first conversation I've had and. uh, when did we stop being able to work? Like 20 days?
2: Besides uh, I say my I was boyfriend? Sometime, yeah. sometime in March? Wow, yeah. Like mid March or early March?
0: Yeah, well, in Pittsburgh, we went back to work for like three weeks and then they closed everything back down again because people got oh, sick. Yeah. Well,
4: yep, yeah, right, right. When did okay. you all go back to work? Was that like shortly after the beginning of lockdown or was that recently?
0: We went back like June 6th and then we stopped, I don't remember, like it was before, it was right before the 4th of July. They shut it all back down again. I think like the mayor did an ordinance and then Tom Wolf like shut everything down again. I don't know. It's all confusing.
4: Right. Yeah. It seems like there's so many conflicting reports of what's actually happening right now. But uh, you know, getting back into the uh, root of comics, Audra is currently based in Pittsburgh and is a cartoonist that spent time at the uh, comics workbook residency with uh, Frank Santoro. She is also currently working on her anthology The Audra Show that has a few different stories running through it. And recently you just just reissued a book, Pale, Sick and Magic. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Was that printed before or is this like a new printing of something that was out before or is this just something you so, had in the bulb?
0: I think I printed maybe 30 of them for SPX in 2017 in black and white and I just like gave them to people. I sold some to Bill Boichel at Copacetic but I just had the opportunity to print again now and I was like I need to do it because uh, I had never printed it in color and I think It was originally published online in color, but uh, I had the opportunity to print it and I just wanted to take it while I could.
4: It's a really uh, good story. It's actually really strong. Um, You know, it, deals with, uh, you know, themes of suicide and uh, you see two, the two main characters are kind of polar opposite when it comes to like social circles, but they have a common theme of, you know, a missing friend. So dealing with subject matter like that, you know, it's almost a raw kind of story in a way, Um, you know, it deals with a lot of the emotions that come along with grief. Was this something that, you know, you completely made up or was this you working through some things? If you don't mind me asking that, I don't mean to pry to get too personally. No, for
0: sure. So I drew this my last semester of my senior year of college and my concentration ended up being work about this experience I had of uh, my friend passing away in high school like the comic's pretty autobiographical like it happened when Osama Bin Laden died so like that whole part where she's watching it on TV like that actually happened and actually I'm the sandwich girl on the first page because I figured people would be like oh like which girl are you so I just drew myself so it was completely clear which girl I was.
4: <laughs> so, you know, we always ask our guests this, but, you know, why comics?
0: I guess because that thing you hear people say where it's like comics is like memory and so working through those memories I think comics was kind of the most accurate way of portraying that especially because like I don't know like the stuff I remember it's really weird like I don't know like it might just be like how grass looked like if that makes sense and so like that's I could write about how grass looks but I would rather just draw it I think that's more direct but then other stuff you know like dialogue memory of people talking you know uh, I think think that's why, honestly. I know that's kind of trite, but it's because it's true.
4: Well, and you mentioned, you know, like dialogue, and I think that's like a really strong aspect of your work. You know, a lot of comics don't have the luxury of having like dialogue that sounds natural, but your characters speak to one another in natural ways, if that makes sense. And um, I almost feel like it might be the setting. Do you a lot of, uh, you know, half of the stories in The Audra Show are based in um, a restaurant for our listeners that haven't seen the book. And like I spent a lot of time in restaurants, so I'm assuming just based off of the uh, level of detail in the restaurant that you spent time in restaurants as well.
0: Yes, yeah. Um, that's what I was doing before the quarantine, actually.
4: I always tell people this, like, restaurants are the craziest places you can work. There are so many different walks of life in and out of those places. And I mean, I guess they make... Are these characters based off of, you know, people that you know?
0: Kind of. Like, when I did Little Minnow, I hadn't actually worked in a restaurant yet. I had interviewed for a job, and there was a month before I was to start. So that comic was just kind of like me imagining it. And then the stuff in Bia more specifically is kind of based on people like I don't know but it's not super specific like it's almost like when you're a line cook and you yell runner over and over and over again and like the server doesn't come I don't know it's like a niche relatable you know what I mean no for
4: sure for (laughs) sure and like you know like the scene where they even like get upset about what's on the jukebox you know you hear the same fucking well not necessarily upset but they're like there's a customer that you know keeps playing I think it was foreigner songs on a jukebox yeah yeah no
0: it is upsetting yeah
4: <laughs> yeah, so there's so many little, like, pieces there, like, that are, like, attention to detail that, like, me just having experience in restaurants, like, it was so relatable. And it's, you know, so it's, like, a nice little nod to that. So as far as, like, your process goes, you've got this whole self-contained universe in The Audra Show. It's run four issues so far. I think you're working on issue five, right?
0: Yes. Um, I'm actually, I think I have, like, four or five pages left in it Then i will be done.
4: Hell yeah. And, you know, you've done a lot of universe building and world building here in this book. You know, it's uh, I, I was reading through them this week, you know, in preparation for this. How much of this has been like premeditated? Like, do you just write each issue when you're ready to work on the next one? Or is this just one big plan that you have?
0: It's, like, one big plan, and then when I go to work on an issue, I might storyboard something more specific. But as far as, like, the general, like, what's the period of time? I think I'm working with, like, a 50-year time window. Like, all those relationships I know. And then I might, like, zoom in on something and elaborate on that more. Like, I can't remember if it was Jaime or Gilbert, but they talked about, like, filling in the map. And so it's just, like, I'm just, like, filling in the map.
4: Well, it's really kind of funny you brought them up because, like, I really do see a lot of parallels in The Audra Show to Love and Rockets. You know, you've got these characters that are being explored, you know, they just have so much personality behind them. And then also the way that you split the book into two different stories, just two little, like, interesting kind of small parallels that I saw between the two. But um, as far as, you know, when you're working, you know, you mentioned you were working a day job before pandemic. Do you set time aside that you force yourself to work on comics or, you know, what's your schedule look like when you're working on comics?
0: Yeah, generally, uh, I just would make myself draw comics when I come home from work. And that was like a routine I started setting up at the residency. So I would work maybe like 6.30 in the morning to, I don't know, this is a little too specific, but it was like 6.30 to 4.30, come home and like shower and eat and stuff, draw from about 7 to like 11 to midnight. Like I could normally knock out like one page a day and then just go to sleep and start over. I would try to do that at least like three or four days a week consistently, but sometimes it's not as consistent, honestly.
4: Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard for me to you know, draw. So I'll go, you know, recently, we, we have a group chat. And, uh, you know, one of our buddies, like went like two or three weeks without drawing. And we were like, yeah, you know, we're all pretty much in the same boat right now. Like I'll doodle every day. But sometimes I just can't force myself to do it. It helps having a deadline personally, or like knowing that I have a project that needs to be done by this time or whatever. But
0: yeah, yeah, like I, I always have like my end date set. So that way I know, like, if I don't draw this week, it's kind of like, well, You know, you're going to have to pull it off, buddy. Like, I hate pushing a date back and I'll do it if I think the comic will suffer for it. Like, I don't want to put out something that shit. But like going back to like restaurants, like sometimes you get fucked. Sometimes like you're there till volume. Right. You might get fucked into being there, you know, 12 hours or 13 hours or, you know, for some people, 16 or 17 hours. I've personally never had to experience that. And you thought you were going to be there eight hours.
4: Are you front of house or back of house?
0: I'm both. I started at back of house. And that's my preference. Somewhere along the way, I ended up being a hostess, I needed like four more hours. And then they were like, well, do you want to just host one day a week? And then I started doing that. And then I don't know. So basically both. Yes. Hell yeah. But prefer back of house, though. No, for sure. Always.
4: Yeah, it's easier because I mean, like, it's like crazier in the back. But you know, it's more free of an environment in my experience. Yeah,
0: yeah, like you could just get pissed off. I mean, with line, like, I'll be honest, like, I'm not a good line cook, I get overwhelmed. But I'm a really good prep cook. I just go in and it's like, I have the tools, the food, the recipes, and then there's like a par list or whatever. And I do that. And so like, I actually think about my comics on my shifts a lot. So it might be like, I think about what I'm gonna draw. And then I go home and I draw it. But online, like, I can't think about comics online. Right. No. I mean, I could, but it wouldn't be good.
4: Yeah, you got to do something to escape from uh, the day job reality. I do a lot of daydreaming and stuff like that when I was working as well. So I kind of have a few notes here. You put out the uh, Star Valley Character Guide. And one question I had was, uh, has the Audra show been published elsewhere besides these, like, four issues that have come out? Like, do you put additional content for these characters online anywhere?
0: No, um, it's the opposite. I try to uh, always put something in the print books that's not online. And I don't know, there's like illustrations I do that I post on Instagram that don't end up in the books, but as far as comics go. Yeah, whatever's on Instagram, you get in the book, but what's in the book, you might not get on Instagram.
4: So with the Star Valley character guide, there's some characters in there that haven't technically been introduced yet, is that correct?
0: Yeah, I think so.
4: Okay, so yeah. I guess they're coming... Or they're
0: in older comics. Okay,
4: gotcha. So these characters were in work before The Audra Show. Yeah. Oh, okay. So what uh, What were those books? What, was it just like random minis or...
0: Yeah, so Oliver and his band are in Love Me Like an Autograph, which was a book I published my senior year or junior year of college. Um, I got a chat book grant. So I just like pitched it to the department and then they chose my thing. And I think they printed 100 copies and 50... 50 of them they gave away at an event and then 50 of them I got to keep ah uh, Jesse and Maya are in comics I also did in college and a lot of these these are actually all on my website too like love me like an autographs on my website I did some comics about like Adelaide and Bryson in school that would technically be before the stuff in the audra show and so these are their classmates Kelsey and Jean and Adela if anybody's pulled out their book and is referencing it as I talk um, <laughs> they're like characters from like like. I don't know if, if you remember, like, National Novel Writing Month? I tried to do that in, like, 10th or 11th grade. Like, a lot of the characters in my comics, they're, like, characters I've had in some way since, like, middle school... Which is kind of, I don't know, it's not embarrassing, but uh, they've just like changed over time. And so like, it was fun to draw them here. And actually, some of these characters are also in a comic I did for a comics workbook that was called Indigo, right? I think that was like in 2014 or 2015. And Frank had just solicited like eight page scroll comics. So it was like about Bryson and his sister and like being at school. And then like the parent characters, I don't think any of them have been introduced yet. I think you see Vicky in one of the panels, I think in the fourth book, but yeah.
4: Hell yeah. So (laughs) you were talking about, you know, comics workbook. We had fellow alumni, MS Harkness, I think she spent some time there. And then Caleb Arecchio did some time there recently. And they kind of talked about their experiences a little bit there. What was your experience like? Like, why did you want to attend that residency? And could you go into a little bit about your experience there?
0: Yeah. um, So I had taken, I did a gap year in college. And I I knew somebody who had taken like an online art class. And then he got a job with an animation studio or something, and so to take Frank's course, I was like, hey, mom, if I take this course, I could end up working at a studio with a salary like this guy I went to school with. So uh, she bought me Frank's course. Or I think we went like half and half on Frank's course for Christmas. And i had always struggled like these characters I'd had for a really long time. And I'd done like illustrations and stuff of them, but I'd never been able to really finish a comic and so Frank's method of like with the note cards really helped me organize all that stuff and actually like finish a story and I would always start things and then I would never know how to like stick the landing so to speak but then by just like using the note cards and being able to rearrange them you know you can kind of like calculate your trajectory of where you're gonna land so to speak if that makes sense that was cool and then after I did that I actually got What was it? I got a storyboard test for Steven Universe, and like that was really cool because, you know, I had never had any professional recognition before. 'Cause they, they did like an open call on Tumblr for Steven Universe storyboarders and I submitted because I was like, I don't know, maybe they might have me test. Um, that was cool. And I felt like I wouldn't have been able to like do that if I hadn't done the course online. So I really wanted to like support Brink School and I wanted to learn from him hands on when the opportunity came up.
2: I think Helen Joe also worked on storyboards for Steven Universe. Yeah,
0: yeah, she did um, in the first season. Yeah, she did. Yeah, there were like a lot of really cool people who worked on Steven Universe. Like, it's like I think like Lamar Abrams was working on Steven Universe.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm trying to think. I mean, like I really liked Rebecca Sugar. She's the
4: showrunner, yeah. right? Or they're the yeah, showrunner? I, okay. I don't
0: know that. Yeah, they. I think they're the showrunner. And let me see. And and I I learned of their work storyboarding on Adventure time Honestly, uh, I didn't read Pug Davis, but I'm sure it's very good. But yeah, I I wanted to like you know learn from Frank hands on when the opportunity came up, and I wanted to support the school because you know I felt like my skill grew exponentially in a rather small window having done the online course. Um, so it was like three day residency before my senior year of college, and I stayed in his house. They like picked me up from the train and then, or Sal picked me up on the train and then uh, took me to Frank's house and then we like had saltzer water and went to sleep and then we woke up and I started working on Pale and Magic. I actually like wrote that while I was there. And then I took it home with me and finished it. And we uh, published it on Comics Workbook, the Tumblr.
4: So all in all, would you recommend the residency to someone that was interested? I don't think it's going right now. But, you know, you did say you feel that you develop skills in like a quick window. Do you feel like it's just for a certain type of cartoonist? Or do you think it's like a pretty open system to, you know, allow anybody of any level in?
0: yeah i mean i think frank is a teacher like he he's good at working with you at whatever like level you're on and he's good at like honing in on what somebody like might need to work on because i did a few residencies i did the three day and then i came back in january and i did a two week long residency where i i think i did like the draft of a 20 page comic or a 40 page comic but then i never showed it to anybody because i didn't like it when i finished but Personally, the shorter residencies, the shorter stuff, was more beneficial to me. But that's because I was bad at time management. So, Mm -hmm. like on, I think on the two week residency, yeah, I like drew out a twenty page book. But like on the first three day residency, I drew out like a sixteen page book.
4: Were you deliberately taking longer because you knew you had more time? Do you think, or do you just think that? that?
0: I think um, I had just finished college. I think honestly, I was like tired and. um, and like I don't know why I did an artist residency right after college because I was so exhausted after college that I don't think I necessarily uh, you know got the most out of the time that I could have and also it was mad because it didn't snow like I thought it was going to snow and then it just rained the whole time and like that (laughs) pissed me off Um, you know because I lived in North Carolina my whole life except for I lived in Orlando briefly when I did an internship in the Disney parks so I'd like never lived or been outside of the south and the winter so i thought it was gonna be like this winter wonderland and then it was just shit (laughs) and and trump got inaugurated that too like yeah like sal and i like watched trump get inaugurated and it's like shitty outside and it's like oh man you know i don't know
4: <laughs> didn't Frank take you all on the road? Because I met you very briefly at a table at CXC yeah, in yeah, either yeah. 2016 or 2017.
0: It was 2017, yeah. Um, it was like SPX and CXC. I think there was maybe a third show that I didn't go to. I don't remember, though. I think I think Frank went to Cab, but like Caleb, Frank and Sally went, but, or Sal went, but uh, Caleb and I didn't go. But yeah, it was like the four of us and we would all convoy our way to the comics convention and, and table and one and Jen too like there's a lot like it's like a huge pod like the Pittsburgh pod for SPX you have like Lane Graff, Sid Blackwell Samuel Beery I'm gonna forget somebody, Anne but I can't remember their last name at the moment but it's like a group of like 10 or 15 people uh, who go to SPX but yeah
4: were you tabling before? No. uh you know you made that run. No, no, I so, never tabled. So does Frank offer like tips and whatnot when tabling? Like, is that part of the experience of the uh, residency, or do you? You know, I didn't know. if... No,
0: like... um, honestly, like I stayed the fuck away from the table most of the time. I was at the table sometimes, but mostly. And also, this was like near the beginning of me being at comic shows, and I'm still, I still do it now. But I genuinely get like starstruck by meeting cartoonists. So like, I think. think think I went and stood in line for like Dan Clow's and then Rob Clow was in front of me in line and like I met him which was cool but uh who else did I like I think I'm thinking of 2016 actually but there was one year it was like the Fantagraphics 40th anniversary and like Simon was there and like the Hernandez brothers were there and Carol Tyler was there and I'm just like losing my shit you know I'd been to Heroes Con in Charlotte that was like an hour and a half drive Sid Blackwell and I would go to that one but otherwise like I'd never been to like a true like small press thing but as far as tabling goes i mean like i'm guilty i didn't hang around the table i used it as just an opportunity to see things i had never seen before
2: did you like heroes con
0: i loved heroes con actually i haven't been since i moved to pittsburgh but i went like four years in a row um and like the first year I went, it was like, I was on Tumblr and like Noah Van Skyver had posted like, come to my table at here, my sad table at Heroes Con. And it was just like him sitting alone at a folding table. And I was like, oh, Marshall, like my friend Marshall was like, oh, we got to go to Heroes Con, man. Like, let's go. And so we actually went there and they have like the indie Island. So I'm trying to think like Evan Dorkin was there. I like yeah. his stuff. I'm He's having there. a hard time. He's there almost yeah, every year. Yeah. Yeah. Like Ben Sears, uh, Richie Pope a lot of like really cool people there so I would hang out there and then I might like dip into the more cosplay like that's the only thing I don't like about it is honestly like yeah you might get like hit in the face with like a wing or something or like somebody's like <laughs> body paint might rub off on your shit and like that sucks because like those are my clothes you know right? yeah yeah <laughs> but uh but I like it like I I and I think the cosplay is like cool like I would take pictures with people uh because one of the years I was there like Mad Max had just come out like Fury Road and there was some really really good cosplayers and you know i think i took a picture with dogman at cxc but otherwise you know there's there's none of that
2: i actually remember that group of mad max cosplayers i think i have that photo on my phone somewhere still
0: yeah yeah it just (laughs) facebook just reminded me it was like that it happened um which i thought was cool
4: have you ever tabled it? No,
0: no, I just visited. I think the first show, I had never tabled until last year, 2019. And I tabled at SPX, CXC, and Pittsburgh Zine Fair. And then I also had stuff at the comics workbook table at Cab, but I didn't really man that table. But I was there, yeah. you know.
4: What were you going to ask, JB? I'm sorry. I don't remember.
0: <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. Also. <laughs> no,
4: it's okay. Yeah, no, it's all right
0: you'll remember.
2: Yeah, yeah, Heroes is pretty good. That's a show that I definitely would attend because it's definitely a great networking place.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a good model as far as, like, the whole thing of, like, comics does need comics fans to survive, or I don't know, my goal is to kind of be, like, I don't know anybody who reads my comics who doesn't make comics, which kind of sucks, but it's kind of cool because sometimes (laughs) people are really specific about what they like, and I'm like, oh, yeah." yeah, you know, thanks, man, you know, that's awesome. But at the same time, like, there have to be, like, non comics readers for comics to survive. And I think Heroes Con does a great job of having something for everybody. And I might see something that I wouldn't have given a chance before, maybe, or, like, I just end up seeing something that I wouldn't come across organically because you know like the way the internet is now like unless you're specifically looking for new shit like you're just gonna see the same shit over and over again and like the other way around you know somebody might see like some weird small press thing that they wouldn't see before like it's it's really luck i feel like finding like small press stuff is luck like uh i found a lauren weinstein comic at the library when i was in eighth grade that like changed like the trajectory of my life like where the fuck do you find a lauren <laughs> weinstein comic at the library i hope a lot of libraries but you know what i mean yeah definitely because i could never find like comics by women that weren't manga and i loved manga but like i i wanted to read more like superhero comics and stuff because i really liked the teen titan show i was like in fifth grade when like the glenn murakami teen or no he worked on teen titans go so that's not a good distinction but you know what I mean like the early 2000s Teen Titans but I could never find like comics by women I was like 11 and I wanted to find like a precedent for myself and I couldn't find it and then Lauren Weinstein fell into my arms you know and so I wanted to find more comics like that and then I found like quote-unquote indie comics or small press comics I don't know if that's too much
4: no no not at all no 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 for sure we like talking about stuff like that i mean it's kind of funny because everybody kind of has that same journey because we kind of talk about it all the time how the lifeblood of comics relies on the big two so heroes is a cool show kind of going back to that because it does seem to be a good balance of you know what's good and alternative but also can bring in like the mass comic audience if you will Um, and it kind of
0: yeah that's what we were originally talking about
4: yeah (laughs) but that's just kind of what it speaks to you know like everybody has the same journey you always start off with a comic like you know marvel or dc or some kind of superhero book like i don't know anybody that just starts reading ghost world and that's their first comic you know or
2: it's also nice because heroes is one of those few shows that has all that variety of like mainstream superhero comics and indie small press stuff
4: but also has zero celebrities like it's all just comic creators Right. So and like, and that's getting kind of rare, you know, like the big comic shows where it's just comics only because Heroes seems to be pretty big. I mean, like almost everybody that we talk to on this show is some kind of experience there. So I look forward to trying it out in the future. I never really thought that uh, my work would do well there. But you know, JB's said that there's, you know, Indie Island or whatever they call it. So
0: I mean, yeah, hopefully
4: if shows come back next year,
0: I don't know how many people who are also there looking for like cool stuff. But you know, I was there, you know, like, I don't know. That's that's the great thing also i don't know like just one person like if somebody finds like something in a goodwill, but also like you have three hundred dollars to blow to go to a show so one person sees your comics no
2: yeah. <laughs> i mean i think the majority of the attendees at that show are definitely kind of just marvel universe yeah yeah for sure, for
0: sure but for sure. there's also
2: a very large portion of people that go there looking for new comics
0: yeah, like I'd never had that experience of like comics in real life. Like it had always been this internet thing for me internet but uh yeah like i think i went in 2014 and that was like my first it was like wow i could buy stuff from people i follow in real life you know
2: yeah yeah for sure
4: it's cool. and then you realize you know
2: go ahead i was gonna say so uh, going back to your work i did find it interesting that you seem to consciously make an effort to use analog when making your yeah. books so w- what made you decide to strictly go that route rather than using some elements of digital or going full digital
0: Honestly, uh, how do I put it? I never had access to digital art. Like growing up, like I don't think I got a tablet until I was in college, and I think it was the same thing. Like I like had, I was like, I'll go half on it, and I've still used the same tablet. So some of it was just like lack. It, it was almost completely lack of access. But now that I have access, it's it's like the tactile experience. I don't like, I don't know, like, I can't feel what I'm doing the same way on a computer. And I know, like, there's, like, syntax and there's nibs and stuff that, like, simulate it, or, like, putting a piece of paper over your tablet, but it, uh, I don't know, it's just not the same. I really like, like, the physical experience of the thing. I mean, it's why I like cooking too. Like, it's incredibly gratifying. It's, like, I'm making a thing. And digitally, and I I totally respect, like, digital art. Like, it's hard as hell, but at the same time, the way my, like, brain works is it's, it's not a real thing, I'm not holding it you know
4: right and you usually um you've posted some uh, process things on your instagram you usually just do a uh, color layer and then you'll do your inks over your pencils i'm assuming and then you just scan that in do you do any kind of like digital correcting at all with your colors
0: yeah the colors are mostly like true to life sometimes i do like to mess with them and like slide because it might be like the value scale like like where you can like change the hue or whatever like the underlying oh, volume yeah. structure right. hue and saturation same. yeah right. but i like like fucking with the hue and being like oh that looks cool you know and and as I've gotten better um <laughs> you know like I, I do less of that but like I, th- I think I just posted something on Instagram that was like that where I like fucked around with it and I was like wow I like this a lot more than the thing I actually did I mean you know I guess it's like we're all actually doing it you know like that's I, I want to be like careful about like my language about like what's actually being done like I know that like digital is actually doing it but uh
2: no I know what you mean I don't, I, you know yeah yeah I mean, working on something, there is a very big difference between working on a tablet and working with materials that you can hold in your hands and you can see the marks that you're making because it is just a completely different experience.
0: Yeah, and I think, I I don't know, like, but uh, still going off of that, the colors, uh, the ink's digital correcting, um, the colors, no, the colors are basically the same. I try to make the colors look as true to the real thing, because there's, like, the whole what you're seeing on the screen is CMYK, but what you're printing and what you're drawing is RGB, so, like, that's another thing. Like, if you, you might color something digitally, and then you go to print it, and it looks like shit, because guess what? That color doesn't exist in real life. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. You know, some of that's, like, I had to take, like, one or two, like, digital design courses in college and I would fuck shit like that up and then be like, oh, you know.
2: Yeah, I I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me, too.
0: Yeah, so I feel like I can also, like, see some of it's like I'm impatient, you know, so it's like the immediacy of it. Like, I know what it's going to look like. I can see what it looks like right now instead of having to wait and, I don't know, deal yeah. with all that shit. I, I want to deal with, like, the computer as little as possible. And I that's, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'd like to learn more how to do it. But at the same time, like, I just use it to assemble stuff. I don't like drawing on it as much. Uh, but, I mean, if, I think for, like, industry jobs like storyboarders and stuff like that and animation they want you to be able to draw digitally which is why I started using the tablet because in college I was really into the idea of like doing the California like Burbank animation industry thing and so Mm -hmm. that's why I learned because I was like nobody's hiring anybody who's drawing on paper anymore or they might but you know you're gonna have to learn how to use the tablet so
4: Is that still kind of a goal of yours to go out to Burbank and do some animating? I know a lot of people in comics do that, so.
0: No, I mean, yes, no. I would absolutely not say no if somebody wanted to pay me to do that. Right. But at the same time, I've always, I don't know, I love comics and like, I'm like very true to comics and everything. I don't know how do I put it? I decided I wanted to be a cartoonist when I was five years old. So so it's a job like any other. If I'm doing that job and my comics practice becomes unsustainable, I'm not going to do... And I also have the privilege of saying that because I don't have kids right now. That's totally different. But you know, like, I've quit a job because I wasn't drawing comics. And I just was like, I'm gonna find something else where I'm making the same amount, but I can draw comics.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of people in animation have a similar mindset about the work. Like,
0: Re- I think Rebecca Sugar had that happen. Like, I mean, I think Rebecca Sugar is like a good example of somebody who like went into animation, and like, I like the stuff she's done in animation. But there aren't Rebecca Sugar comics, and I think ultimately, like, if there's going to be like Audra Stang comics or Audra Stang animation, like, there should be comics because that's what I'm best at. Like, the, any animation of like any comic I do is going to be like a pale. It's a pale imitation, um, you know, because that whole thing where, like, some people draw comics that are, like, thinly veiled Cartoon Network pitches, you know what I mean? So, they're, yeah. like, shit comics because they're supposed to be right. animations in the first place.
4: Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Flip it around.
4: Yeah. So, you mentioned that you've known you wanted to be a cartoonist since you were five years old. and was this the first comics you were exposed to? Or I guess you said it was more the Teen Titans show. Like, what were the first comics you remember reading? So, I mean, if you make that decision at five, like, surely you had something around the house or something, right? Yeah,
0: I feel like I've been waiting my whole life to tell this story. My no, I'm just <laughs> kidding, but, um, my, my, parents, uh, my parents both delivered newspapers. My dad had been a news carrier in Greensboro since he was 10 years old. And so, both my parents were working for the newspaper and... There was an episode of Reading Rainbow where they learn how to, like, make a newspaper. So that's what, like, hooked me. And then there's a whole sequence where they talk to Ray Billingsley, who draws Curtis, and they show him making Curtis. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to do that. And I decided, oh, shit, I'm going to do that. So Curtis... And like Garfield, and what other ones in the newspaper did I like? I didn't like Family Circus, but now you know I've re-explored Family Circus thanks to the gentleman who does the Bubble Zine. I'm like, I'll give this another try. <laughs> you know, yeah, Brian's always kid.
4: advocating was like, <laughs> for Family Circus Wait, for real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he loves Family yeah, Circus. Like, yeah, he, I bought like a little like, uh, like the little mystery novel size. No. Uh, dude, he 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 loves Family Circus. That's like, funny. okay, he Cat has some very complex circus. thoughts. Yeah, okay. Right. It's awesome <laughs> Interesting Yeah so I try to look at it The drawings are nice uh, You know It's not necessarily My cup of tea Like you know Like the captions And everything Like if I'm gonna do Some kind of like You know Nuclear family I'd rather just read Like Dennis the Menace Or you know Look at those Like older Hank Ketchum pages But you know Family cir- uh, Circus I'm kind of Coming around on it As well Interesting But um, yes, yeah, yeah. I didn't mean To interrupt you though no. So yeah Curtis and <laughs> Family Circus uh, Were in the paper
0: But I read all of the, I mean like I read all the comics In the newspaper I You know like I think they published Cappy Because the comic section Used to be big. I mean so I would read like yeah. I read like Beetle Bailey and like dope Dil- like anything that was a comic. Like I would read Polit I just read anything that was a comic. Like I just mm-hmm. I you know and, and so newspaper comics. And then yeah I watched the Teen Titan show and I used to read like online. Like I remember discovering that like the comics were different than the show and I would like get into debates with kids about it at school because I'd be like, <laughs> No, actually it's this you know and they'd be like no you know
4: did you start like checking out outside of newspaper comics like did you ever have a phase where you started getting those teen titan comics or any kind of you know like going to the comic shop to pick anything up
0: i tried but i didn't like the teen titan go comics i didn't think i don't know who drew them so i'm sorry but i didn't think they were drawn as well like i was
2: like i was
0: really (laughs) upset as a child you know like it's like what? And and I also got, like, Adult Swim was really new, so I got into, like, Inuyasha. I'd always been into Dragon Ball Z, so, uh, for, like, a long period of time in middle school, like, I just completely read manga. I liked, like, Bleach. I don't know, like, all the, like, shit that everybody who was that age... I mean, I'm, like, 92. I think you guys are, like, right around there, so, uh... God, I fucking yeah, love Dragon Ball Z. Older, yeah. I was fucking obs- <laughs> I love Dragon Ball Z. But, uh... Yeah. Yeah, I... I'm trying to think of, I ended up reading the Umbrella Academy actually because me and my best friend when we were like 14 she was really into my chemical romance and i was in the fallout boy and like i thought that like the comics were going to be bad because i didn't like my chemical romance and then they were actually quite good <laughs> because uh like I- i'm sure as you guys know like gerard way was like originally like he wanted to be like a comic book artist and so like that's how i got back into like american comics again because i i really liked that series
4: Wait, was Gerard drawing? I know he wrote a bunch of comics. Did he actually draw any comics? I didn't know he drew anything.
0: Yeah, he. Uh, so he was actually going to SDA for sequential art. And then, and I could be wrong, it's been a while, but he, I believe he was in school when 9-11 happened and he, and that was just like a turning point moment for him where he was like, I'm going to pursue music. So he like went into music and became really prominent in that, so people didn't realize he was, uh, like, a cartoonist, I think. And then now that he's had all that success with MCR, like, now he can fund, like, Killjoys. And I know he wrote the Doom Patrol comics for DC recently, and I heard those were good, but I haven't actually read them yet.
4: I actually like those, yeah. He had that whole little imprint. Doom Patrol was really the only thing that I liked out of it. Um, They gave Tom Scioli some pages in one of the books that was cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: But, yeah, the only thing I really enjoyed was Doom Patrol from that. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. Cool, though he's
0: good at writing dialogue actually like going back to dialogue i think that's what really appealed to me about his comics because also like i i had tried reading like i think like avengers comics um i did like doctor strange the oath too but otherwise like i really didn't like how like women talked in comics like they were just annoying and and i felt like the women in the umbrella academy like they could be like mean and shit and like they just felt like real people you know so yeah i do you know no like, I-, the- I agree i agree i
4: mean I, mean, I know you said you were reading manga, but you know I don't really get manga vibes from your work when I look at it. So like, if you didn't really have like you know a lot of comic, like I get Dragon Ball Z vibes from it. Wait, really? Yeah, like, like- that's
0: so good. No, I'm just- <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, but like, so what did you draw from for inspiration? Like you know were you looking at certain artists you know just drawings of certain artists to kind of help you find your style or you know were you trying to channel like the cartoons you're watching like because a lot of people will be like oh you know i was looking at you know this guy or this girl's art and just tracing it and then you know eventually Or, you know what were you looking at for like influence when it came to developing your style you know is there anything that you like take from or
0: i was really lucky that um i let me think i was on tumblr when like tumblr was like going and so um i looked at a lot of and I'm hard pressed to like say specific like artists, uh, but show like vintage shoho manga or like shoho manga of the 60s, and it's and like it's just that. I mean, like everybody likes Tezuka. My first residency, I actually went to Copacetic and I bought like the Tezuka character illustration books. And I-, I liked looking at animation too, but I'm trying to think. Like I was really into and I still really like like Noah Van Skyver's comics.
4: It's funny you mentioned him because like when it came, like I was thinking about like comics that were based in restaurants and like what captures the authenticity of being in a restaurant and it's like your work Mimi Pond did those books for drawn and quarterly about working in that restaurant in San Francisco that were really good and then Noah's strips about being at Panera Bread like those those like capture like the food industry the best in comics in my opinion your work Noah's and Mimi's
0: wow thank you
4: yeah, sorry, but yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there, but yeah.
0: No, I mean, that's that's one of my, uh, I guess this is less stylistically, but I really, I gravitate towards, how do I put it? Cause like Simon, Han- like Simon Hanselman's like one of my absolute favorites. And I had a conversation with him at like it was the end of SPX 2017 because like Frank was packing up the table and Caleb was just like yeah like stay away from the you know like stay away from the table for now like we're packing up the tables like uh, so I'm just like I'll go talk to Simon and I, I he was just like how are you doing or whatever and I told him I wanted to quit my job at Chipotle and he was like yeah I remember I was working at McDonald's you know and like Simon talked about his like jobs and even though he doesn't there's like a comic where Mog works fast food I I think, in, I think it's Bad Gateway where, like, Mog's working fast food. Like, whenever he does draw, like, restaurant shit, it's really good, but just, uh, that, like, feeling i don't know (laughs) but just or like mike judge like mike judge is a big inspiration to me too like he just like put together the pie i don't know what like job he had professionally you know maybe he's just pretending to be a working class guy i should look into that but uh but like he just was like oh yeah like i'm just gonna like animate this and like see what happens you know um i don't know like those panera comics like i feel like kind of directly inspired my trajectory in a way because i was just like oh yeah like he did it like, fuck it. Like, I, when I was younger, I thought that, like, making comics, like, meant having, like, an arts job and being, I don't know, being able to do that. I didn't really think of, like, I don't know, I was stuttering. It says a lot about, like, the way the educational system was that I never considered, like, skilled labor as, like, a realistic outcome. Like, learning how to cook has been, I think, the biggest advantage in comics to me because, oh, god, I don't know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got off track. Where were we? <laughs>
4: Oh, we were just talking about, you know, looking originally at like uh, what you were looking at to influence your style, and yeah, then uh, sorry. Mike Judge restaurant work. No, you're okay. This happens on the show all the time. It's, probably. I
0: honestly, it's why I've been really into your, why I've enjoyed listening to your podcast recently. Because like I'm not talking to anybody about comics. Like I, I talk to like Juan Fernandez sometimes, and like I talk to like Sid and Lane and some other folks around Pittsburgh. But like I really am aching for like the conversations you have like at the table. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. talking shop or whatever.
4: Right, no, and that's one thing like that this year is like, we've always said, even before the pandemic, that like, you know, the best part about making comics is getting to go to shows to sell them because it's like what you've been working on, but also just to like catch up with the people that know, quote unquote, the business, you know, because you can't get in depth about this stuff with just anybody. Yeah. You know, it's kind of weird because it's like, I feel like everybody, like the comics world, the circle is so big, but also so small at the same time. You mentioned, you know, being starstruck earlier when you meet certain cartoonists but the craziest thing is is you can randomly get sat next to these cartoonists at tables you know that you you know so it's just such a weird small interconnected world
0: we ran into Chris Ware on the street at Cab, like me and me and my boyfriend were walking and I was like, Oh man, dude, like that's fucking Chris Ware. And I was like, Is it weird to like go say hey? But we were we were like near the venue and I was just like, Hey Chris Ware, like I really love your comics and he was like, That's very charitable of you. But it was just like, <laughs> Oh friend, you know, and now it's like now like when you see somebody coming towards you like as you should, you know, you're like, Back up. <laughs> Maintain six feet. <laughs>
2: Right, though. All right. Well, we have a couple of questions here from our listeners for uh, the Gutter Gang, and uh, we'll go ahead and get to those now, Cam.
4: Okay, so yeah, we got some questions here. If you have a question for JB or I or, or any guests that we're going to have on the show, you can email us at podcast at gmail.com. I also usually put up like a little questionnaire on my Instagram at Cam Rosario, and we also ask on Twitter. So you can email us, respond to uh, Instagram stories or, you know, a tweet. But um, our first question today for you, Audra, came from Instagram user Wander underscore Lane. Audra, when it comes time to draw comics, are you executing a script or changing a ideas as you draw
0: both I storyboard them and then you know once I actually get to like the page it might be like you know like the thing of like oh like there's a crowd shot now I get to like decide what the faces look like but other times like it might like I'm never operating on like a panel to panel script or whatever like with the comic I did now I think when I originally storyboarded it it was like 12 pages and now it's like 20 because sometimes I just get there and I'm like Oh, like, I don't know. I see something that could work better or I'm like, oh, I need to elaborate on this more because like my objective isn't going to be clear. Or likewise, it's like, oh, like that's clear. I don't need these other three pages that hammer at home. It's already there.
4: Hell yeah. All righty. Next question. Let's see here. Came from Instagram user Ian Densford, a friend of the show. She draws with pen and marker, I think. Please ask about classic versus digital, your preference with colors, etc. So we kind of touched on that earlier. But I mean, I don't know if you want to talk more about that or maybe talk supplies.
0: I want to talk about that. But also, I want to backtrack to the last question because I also want to mention that Wander Lane is Andrew Neal who draws meeting comics and... We met at SPX and we found out that we actually went to the same college like 10 years apart and I thought that was really cool and I wanted to share that because I really like his comics. He's like borough-based. He's another North Carolina cartoonist, but he's really cool, so yeah. But also relating to color, yeah, Ian Ian Dinsford, I met him, I don't remember if it was 2016 or 2017, but he, when he came to Pittsburgh to do a residency, so hello, Ian hope you're well but also um I as far as colors go I think about like volume structure for sure so just like that's important in terms of choosing the colors but also uh like my earlier stuff I was like more hesitant with color because I wasn't good at value so my colors would always look really muddy And so when I took Frank's course, you know, that's that like red, yellow, blue palette. And so I started working with that and I worked in that for like a year or so because I just felt comfortable with it. And I also was still in school and I just really wanted to like get better at my value relationships before I uh, got more aggressive with color. But um, so it's just been like adding a little more color at a time. Like then when I did the Bia comic, I think there's like five or six colors instead of three colors. And now I just kind of like pull out all the colors because I, I have a stronger sense of like those relationships um, because sometimes with like the vibrancy of a certain color you can think that your value structure is gonna end up one way but then it's like like yellow's tricky like that like you think yellows like super light but then when you look at it in terms of just the structure without I don't remember the name for like the vibrancy or whatever but uh it's actually like a darker value than you think it is. If that makes sense?
4: No, I'm following. It does make
0: sense. Yeah, but yeah. Um, but in terms of like how I use color, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this word right, but light motif or late motif. I try to use color in that way. So a light motif is like in a TV show, and like a character has like a little piece of music. If somebody's thinking of them, it might play, or like they walk on screen, and you hear like so and so's guitar riff, you know. So I try to use color in that way too. Maybe like pale sick and magic. You know, like, near the end, like, Melanie and uh, the other gal, oh my gosh, it's been a while, Lindsay, are wearing their, like, graduation tassels, and, like, Melanie's wearing, like, a big blue tassel, because, like, blue's the color that's been associated with their friend for, like, most of the story. And that also goes back to, like, the power of comics, you know, like, I don't think you have to spell stuff like that out, like, you could just make it visually be there. I hope that's in the ballpark of what Ian was hoping to learn.
4: No, for sure. Yeah. Or
0: me elaborate on. He's really good. He doesn't need to learn.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty. uh, Next question came from Instagram user Croinkicks. Why does Owen give Bia? Is it Bia?
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah.
4: yeah. Why does Owen give Bia the middle finger while he's underwater?
0: Yes. That's also another great person. That's uh, Sam Umbiri. And everybody should check out his stuff. His comics are like... Really good. He's one of my faves. But uh, he flips her off because he's embarrassed. Because like the gills are like his secret thing. And so to have somebody like see his gills, he's it's just like, I don't know, like when I'm embarrassed, I get angry tends to be my initial reaction. And he's the same way.
4: Okay. Hell yeah. A yeah. little bit little bit of yourself on the page. Yeah. Um, so this came from my friend, Doug K. He asked, what did you all eat for dinner? But this is actually the afternoon, so I guess lunch would be more applicable to our situation. Have you all had lunch yet?
0: No. Um, I made bacon and eggs for breakfast, but I have not have not eaten lunch actually
4: yeah same here i had a Boring, uh, basic stuff i put a bacon egg and cheese on some sourdough i had and just had a little breakfast sandwich
0: nice yeah, yeah. What, about,
4: what about you jb have you eaten today no i haven't eaten anything yet no you gotta eat after the show man probably yeah all righty uh next question let's see here alex null uh, another friend of the show wrote how fully developed is the Audraverse? how long have you been creating it
0: Oh, I love Alex's comics too. I I, I feel like I'm like. Everybody who asks a question is great. I love Alex's stuff as a sidebar. Kid, the Kids with Guns oh, comics yeah. is like one of my, it's like probably my favorite comic I'm reading now. Like when I go, when like a new one comes out, like I'm like anxious. But Are like Are you it's like reading a good, it online? No, I try to get it physically, but the honestly same. I think with the one that has the brown cup co- I think I have three of them and he's on five, so I think four and five I have read online because I want to read them, you know. I, always, I But I always opt for the physical thing if I the can same. but um i really really like that comic like just like the intertwining of the relationships like i genuinely i get like really into media experience so like there were a few times reading it where i was like oh shit or something and my boyfriend was like are you okay like what's what the fuck's going on and i'm like oh it's just this comic man like <laughs> it's 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 really got me but um but the i've been working on star valley I I talked about this earlier, like some of the characters are characters I've had since I was like 12 or 13, but as far as like the current iteration of it or like getting serious about it was probably 2012-ish and it, it changed a lot over time like i i interned at disney world in the parks as a custodian um because when i tell people i interned at disney they think i mean like drawing but no i was a custodian and i worked in epcot and that is where i got a lot of the uh inspiration for the whole like magic seas aspect of star valley and this the kind of things that like shaped like star valley the city into being so that's that's probably the point point. and then like 2014 i did did Frank's course, and I did the ice ray, which is like kind of a pilot of uh, one of the Star Valley storylines that follows the middle school aged characters. So yeah, I guess I'd say about eight years. But like I said, like the roots of it are in like early to I don't know, like 2005 or six, maybe 15 long years. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, another cartoonist that I'm a fan of, Sean Knickerbocker just wrote in not with a question, but just wanted to say Audra Stang rules.
0: Yeah, it's so nice. Sean's so freaking good, man.
4: I know I've been seeing the recent work he's been posting on Instagram and
0: it's insane. Yeah, like he's so—he's f- really good. He- I think I met. I didn't meet him until recently too like i am so it's like it's the great thing of like when you discover somebody whose work you really like late it's like great because now there's like a whole bunch of stuff that you get to read but then when you read it all now you're like waiting for more you know Mm -hmm. i never i'm never gonna be and this is just about everybody i like you know i never want to be the guy who's like Hey, man, when's the next thing? Congrats on your new thing. I really like it. When's your next thing? <laughs> but, you know, him and Alex and like, I don't know, a lot of these folks. I'm like, come on, <laughs> what's the next thing?
4: Yeah, I bother people. Like, if people ask me, you know, what I'm working on and like, you know, I'll ask Alex sometimes what he's working on in the DM if I see that he's posting like progress or something. But um, yeah, I'm like, you know, like you, I'm not reading it digitally. So I'm like behind on the rest of the world. I'm just ordering them physically from them. Yeah. Yeah, but that is a fantastic book, though. So uh, that gets the uh, seal of approval from me. So if you all want to check out Alex and All's Kids with Guns, that book is really good. Last question came from friend of the show and former guest Caleb Arecchio. Have her talk about hanging out with Gilbert Hernandez.
0: Yeah. So we met Gilbert at uh, Frank organized a workshop for us at uh, SPX 2017. Got to get those chronological dates in there. <laughs> Yeah, it was, I can't remember who all was there, so let me think. But it was, it was, like, a group of us, like, I think, like, Adam Griffiths, he's, he was there, I think, like, Alexis Zerit, Kate Harmon, Sal, Caleb, me, Frank, of course, but uh, we did, like, some exercises with him. Did I, I want to make sure I said his name right, actually, because I really like Adam's stuff, and I am really bad at getting names right, but not... Yeah, like I can picture his work in my head, but I don't want to get his name wrong. Okay, I think I did get it right. Yeah, Adam Griffiths. I was worried I said Alex or something. Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, yeah. People get my name wrong a lot, and I don't like it, so uh, I never, I never want to get anybody's name wrong. What if they, I how can do they, help it?
4: What do you get on what variations of your name do you get?
0: Just anything that starts and ends with an A. At, like Alexa, Aubrey, Andrea, Abra, like it's, uh, I don't yeah. know. I, I used to just let people call me Audrey, but like at some point I was like, no, like I should tell people what my name is. That's important. And as somebody who taught, you know, like, sorry that this is such a sidebar, but, like, getting kids' names right is really, really important. Like, just in teaching experiences I've had, I've noticed that, like, teachers, you know, like, it just makes us, it just makes a kid feel like shit if you don't get their name right. Mm-hmm. Even if it's, you know, just, like, Adam or Alex, you know, like, I'm not... I don't know. But anyway, yeah, so we hung out with Gilbert. We did the workshop. We, like, went to dinner with him and... I think that was like that same group and uh, he likes The Room. I'm not good at telling the story because I haven't thought about this in a second, but that was really compelling to me that Gilbert Hernandez likes The Room.
4: You mean the movie, like the Tommy Wiseau yeah, movie? Yeah, oh. yeah,
0: like The Room, you know. He was like, The, the Room, and I was like, yes! the room yes you know like uh, because the whole time you know like I'm anxious as hell like I, I probably sound anxious like half of this podcast and you guys were great for accommodating that but like you know like I'm anxious as shit I'm like oh, it's Gilbert Hernandez. And he's looking at my comics and, you know, like my little like eighth grade characters or whatever. And then like, he fucking, I don't even remember who was talking about the room, but I was just like, I felt like at peace in that moment, you know, that, uh, that Gilbert too, like the room. Cause I, I love Gilbert. I mean, like his stuff, some of my favorites. So that was just fucking, I'm sorry. I keep saying fuck, but, uh um, No, yeah. You know, we,
4: we curse all the was, time on here. <laughs> it was
0: so cool. You know, like it was just one of those moments of like, wow, like, lineage, you know. You're right. Because if I, am going to be mad if I get this wrong, but did they, did the Hernandez brothers not study under Kirby III? Am I wrong?
4: So I read a little bit of that uh, fanographics book, like the oral history. And I know that like, I don't know if they studied under Kirby, but I know that they were around Kirby and Kirby knew them. Yeah. So yeah. it would, it probably, it wouldn't surprise me if they did work with them at some point in time, just because it was, you know, that I, Gary Groth was like, you know, hanging out with Kirby all the time and I probably linked them up.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. I guess that was like, yeah, that was like around the time that book came out. So I don't know. I was just like all like, oh my God, like the, the, the like the lineage you know like oh you know so but then we all like went to dinner and went to the Ethiopia. there's like this ethiopian place we go to and frank ordered like all this food like two platters of food and like a slight miscalculation on the amount of food and there was just like people weren't eating it it was just sitting there and frank comes from a rich italian heritage and he was like don't stop eating the food i'm like what he's like don't stop eating the food he's like You stop eating the food, the dinner's over. And I'm like, what? He's like, he's like, eat the goddamn food. (laughs) He's like I'm like, oh, oh shit, okay, you know, and, like, Gilbert's, like, head of the table, and I'm, like, I'm just, like, eating my food, and, like, I don't know what Gilbert and Sal were talking about, and, like, I had, like, too many drinks, too, it was, like, uh, I had, like, a coffee and a water, and then I think, like, I got, like, a beer or something, so I had, like, all these drinks around me, and I'm just, like, eating this food for the Italian tradition, you know, so it it was definitely, like, a a culturally enriching experience in more more ways than one. Also, I wish I could remember the name of the Ethiopian place because it's really good and I highly recommend it and I'm pissed that I won't get to go there this year or possibly next year considering how things are going. I hope it's... I actually I really hope they survive the pandemic, honestly. That's scary. It's uh
4: I'm. Um, it's in Bethesda.
0: hmm
4: Okay, hell yeah. Yeah,
0: I wanna I wanna say it's called Sheba, maybe? Oh, okay. But I am not positive. But we've gone like a few like the comics workbook group, we went like a few different years, that's just like the place. And like there's some other cartoonists who are there. I don't mean like the place like the place. I just mean like that's like the place that we happen to go. But now people are gonna show up there, so it's not it's like in Ghost World when everyone starts showing up to the diner. And now they're like, we have to find a new (laughs) diner. The Satanists.
4: All the Satanists
0: are coming to the Ethiopian restaurant now. (laughs) Sorry,
4: guys. (laughs) All righty. Well, um, that does it for questions. Audra, you have a new issue of the Audra show coming out at the end of July. Is that correct?
0: No. I... (laughs) No, I don't know. Um, so so um, I have been very fortunate while I've been at Pittsburgh to print my books on the menu printer at my prep cook job, which is currently um, not in service. Um, so I am trying to reach out to them to see if I can get to the restaurant and print books because it's... It's been this deal of like I bring my own paper and like I cut in my paper cutter and stuff, but like I get to use that printer, so. I'm hoping now to have it in August. I'm optimistic. I'm glad I got Pale Sick and Magic out before the big shutdown because I honestly don't know what's gonna happen in Pittsburgh. It's not looking great but i'm hopeful so i might have to you know i might look into like an alternative method of printing or i don't know yet because i'm so tied to the physicality of the thing you know i have thought about like a pdf release but i'm like that's that's the last case resort i hate that right right so i hate that so much but also you know it's safer maybe
4: well you did mention also that the new book pale sick and magic is out do you still have copies of that for sale where can our listeners get that no no
0: there. No, uh, Domino has some. Austin English's distro. Domino books should have some. I have, as of right now, I have four and after that i i'm in the same boat i just need to find figure out how i'm going to obtain more
4: right well, well yeah. i uh i've always ordered your well i got the issue number four of the audra show directly from you but i ordered the other ones from radiator comics i know they have your stuff in stock as well yeah so i was able to grab some of your stuff from there but uh where can people find you online uh, anything you want to plug
0: yes you can find me on my instagram it's audra audra dot S-T-A-N-G. If you just type in my name, it's there. I have a website, too. It's called Poodle Duples, because that's the domain name I bought eight years ago, and I'm sorry, but, like, the word poodle, and then duple, and then an S.com. I'm going to have to retcon that website name at some point, but, um, <laughs> yeah, there's there's that. That's And I only offer that because that's where a lot of the, like, pre audra show stuff is, mm-hmm. um, and I'm hoping to... Before all this was happening, I was really hoping to do something collecting that older stuff. Definitely directly inspired by—I uh, don't know if you know the cartoonist Evan Salazar, but uh, he oh, recently yeah. put together a collection of some of his stuff, and he's mm-hmm. also one of my favorite cartoonists. Now I met him when he came to stay at the residency, but something oh, I didn't like know Evan that. Cool. Because um, I, th- I like I said, I think it gives context to the stuff now, and I'm trying to find a way to reissue it because I don't want to redraw it. Because if I redraw old things, I would never make new things. Um, But yeah, it's on that website if anybody wants to read it. And I think that's all I have to plug. Oh, I'm going to also plug, like, if you're going to go outside, I'm sure anybody listening to your podcast already does that. But like, please wear a mask. Don't take your mask off to talk to the hostess at the restaurant or the cashier at the (laughs) grocery store. Like, they're not immune to your germs. And I I don't know why people think this. But, uh, you know, wear a mask. Guys, support your local mask makers. You know, yeah. but please, I want this to be over. I miss, I miss comics. I'm like a very like as somebody who's like generally nervous to talk to people. Going to comic shows and having something wildly specific to talk about eliminates a lot of that anxiety, and I need those interactions to come back. So,
2: yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yep, gutter boys' oath. Wear a mask.
0: Sanitize. Yep. <laughs>
2: All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Episode 31 is in the books. We want to thank Audra for coming on to the show today and talking to us a little bit about their work. But yeah, that'll do it. Thanks so much and stay gutter.
0: Thank you. I did not hear Oh, hi, Mark. Lisa, Lisa, you're me apart.
2: You know what they say. Love is blind. Let's go eat out. Everything is fine.
3: This is a beautiful party You invited all my friends
0: Hey everybody, let's eat cake
3: I have an announcement to make I'm fed up with this world You're just a How can you do this? You make me sick Leave your stupid
1: comments in your pocket You're going to destroy Johnny He's very sensitive Leave your stupid comments in your pocket Son of a bitch I love him. Oh hi Mark
2: Lisa Lisa, You're tearing me apart. You know what they say? Love is blind. Let's go eat hard. Everything is fine. I don't want Everything is fine. I
0: don't want You're tearing me apart I story more. Anyway, how is your sick life? Can't me apart. Oh, hi, boy.
3: And they were as
0: slide. Oh, hey,
2: Danny. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hey,
0: Peter. Oh, hey, guys.
2: Everybody, I'm so happy I have
3: you as my friend.
0: Oh, hi, baby. Oh, hi, hi Johnny. Oh, hi, Paul. Hi, Doki.
3: Everybody, I love you as, as a human being. To me, yeah. What is my money, Danny?
4: I did not hit her. Oh, hi, Mark.
1: Lisa, Lisa, you're tearing me apart. You know what they say.
2: Love is blind. Let's go eat now. Everything is fine. I don't mind. Say that
0: again. You're telling me, hey, everybody, the expert. What kind of drugs did you take?
1: You're telling me, Paul.
4: Calm down, Wonder story more. Yeah, you can say that again. Me in your wares. You're telling me, hey, everything for my princess. Oh, I'm Mark. You're telling me,
1: Paul. People are very strange these days.